Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 20. I'm Christina Suzuma. Thank you for joining me today again as we continue to explore our wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and other modalities of helping us find balance in our individual journey. You know, we are excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet and those who will inspire others to make life changes. Recently, I've become more aware of individuals suffering from an imbalance of tick-borne illnesses, in other words, Lyme disease. You know, I had not realized the increasing numbers and the devastation that these individuals have to endure. And uh, the more I heard about it the, and discuss it with certain people, and I, I, I do believe that uh, on the Magical Medical Cure, we also had covered it just a, a, a little on one of our shows. Um, here today with us is one of Yoga Hub's virtual conference faculty, uh, who has also recently begun contributing to the Yoga Hub blogs with her wonderful writing. Kat Robinson, she's on a mission with her yoga practice, if you know anything about her. You know, she is on that mission to support individuals through all kinds of therapeutic yoga for all sorts of imbalances, um, you know, from, uh, from um, her sewing yoga DVDs to, you know, how she, her book about um, almost dying and how she recovered from all that. And now on another journey that she is on. Um, so I would like to introduce to you, and we're so honored to always work with her, Kat Robinson. Hello, Kat. Hey, Christina. It's so good to be here today. Well, welcome to YHTV. Finally. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's really good to be here. I'm so, I'm so honored to be a part of Yoga Hub and to be so involved with all that you're doing, cutting edge technology, this new platform, it's wonderful. And um, I'm just very honored to be going along for the ride with you. Oh, thank you so much. Well, all you're aboard, so right? Let's all yep. take off on this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Kat, tell us, um, you know, help us to understand this uh, tick-borne illnesses. What is that? And how does one contract it? Well, a tick-borne illness is Lyme disease, specifically Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever are what I'm talking about today. There are others that are not as common, but these two particular tick-borne illnesses are becoming almost to pandemic proportions. I mean, they're there are so many people that are getting this. I contracted Rocky Mountain spotted fever from a tick bite in 1979. I was 17 at the time. And when I got this, it was relatively unknown. It was very rare. In fact, I believe one of the st statistics that were given to me at the time was it was like one in every 10 million ticks carry this. Wow. So a lot of people, yeah, it was crazy. A lot of people were telling me, you know, you should try for the Irish sweepstakes, you, should, <laughs> you, know, you know, the luck of the draw here. But now it seems that this is very common. And I, you know, I suspect it's probably been common all along. Mm. We just didn't know what it was. Um, you know, it, now, even today, um, Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever are very hard to detect. And as a result of that, there are 
literally hundreds of thousands of people that go either undiagnosed or are completely misdiagnosed um, because the tests are so inaccurate. Mm -hmm. But both of them are bacterial infections that are caused by, they're different bacterial infections, but they're both bacterial. Um, they're not viral. Um, they are both carried by ticks, mm -hmm. which is an arachnid. It's in the same family as spiders. So if you're not familiar with what a tick is, it's it's just a little bitty bug. I mean, it's it's just really small. It, but it, what it, they, is it similar to the ticks that the dogs carry, like the animals carry? Right. In fact, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever is usually contracted by the American dog tick. That's usually how you get it. Hmm. Um, you know, and the Rocky Mountain part of it, that's kind of a, you know, that's not really relative of where you get this. You can get this anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's just that the first case was discovered in the Rocky Mountains. So it was given that name. But it it is getting to be more and more common throughout the United States. It's not just, you know, at one time it was pretty much isolated that if you went camping in a wooded area, you know, if you lived in the in the Midwest or the South or, you know, even on the East Coast, you really didn't hear too much about it on the West Coast or, or to the West. But now you really are starting to hear more of that. So it was like east of the Rockies is where it was before. And now it's it's kind of shifted to be just everywhere. So that's, you know, this is why I felt that this is important to address, because I know how devastating this was to me health-wise for many years and um now, now for I, you did did they diagnose it early or was it one of those I, where I mean what are the symptoms that people are, are well, looking for now, yeah, and see, and that is such such a a widespread non-specific thing the mm. symptoms can be so different in so many people but the the main symptoms that you look for if you're looking for this is, number one, you've had a tick bite. Number two, you could develop a rash, but you may not develop a rash. The symptoms are very flu-like. You, you know, you get fevers and chills. My throat was extremely sore. I mean, it was like I had the worst case of strep that I had ever had. Mm. I also couldn't move my neck. I was paralyzed on my right side. I couldn't, I couldn't move. When it first started, I thought I had the flu. You know, I thought, okay, a couple of days off school. I'll go back to school in a few days. I'll be fine. By Sunday, I, I started having symptoms on Tuesday. And by Sunday, I was in dire condition. I mean, I was, I couldn't see. I was covered in spots. And I just happened to have an old country doctor here who recognized this as merely tick fever. That's, hmm. it wasn't, he really didn't give it that name. It was just tick fever. And he transferred me from our small hospital here to a larger hospital. And they, Basically, at that time, what they did was they ruled out other illnesses. You know, they did a spinal tap to rule out meningitis, and I think there were a few other things that they ruled out. But I had the characteristic rash. I had had a tick bite, and, you know, the symptoms were there. So they immediately started me on tetracycline, which is a very common antibiotic. It's, you know, a very easy protocol. Once you diagnose it and get started on the treatment, it's it's a 
fairly easy protocol to go through. It's just getting that diagnosis. Mm. And, you know, and that's really where we're running into an issue with these two particular tick-borne illnesses is getting that diagnosis. According to the CDC, there is a 60% error rate. Wow. And 60%, that is a staggering number to me, error rate in the diagnosis, in, in the test for Lyme disease. And they're estimating that annually in the United States that there is an estimated 300,000 new cases of Lyme disease in the United States, hmm. but only 40% of those are actually diagnosed through testing because 60% of the time it's, it's false. So, so many people go to the doctor and I do belong to the support group on Facebook, those survivors of Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever on Lyme disease. And I, I see it daily. I mean, it's just every day. There are so many people that are saying, the doctor doesn't believe I have this. I've had a tick bite, but my test came back negative. They're not starting me on the medicine. What do I do? Well, of course, you need to get another opinion. And you need to keep finding some a doctor. Keep looking until you find a doctor that is going to listen to you. Because it can be fatal. It, you know, I was so near death. When I was diagnosed, I was in a coma. Um, I had gone into renal failure. Um, my skin, when it started healing, my skin literally fell off from, you know, from the, the spots are actually little leaking blood vessels. The blood vessels thin out and start and leaking. Are they and, itchy? Or are they? Not at all. In fact, mm -hmm. when I first had the spots start developing, um, it was like my third day of having the flu. And so my mom was taking me to the doctor and my now husband was my boyfriend at that time. And he had came over, he was in college and I had sat down after, you know, I had gotten dressed and I came out into the living room and he looked at me and he goes, what is going on with your feet? And I had this rash all over my feet mm. and, you know, and I wasn't even aware of it. Well, I thought that it was a simple heat rash. It was warm. I had been having chills. I'd been sleeping in pajamas with feet, with, you know, feet in them. So I thought I've got a heat rash. I didn't, I didn't even tell the doctor. I went to the doctor, the same doctor that actually ended up diagnosing it. And he said, I think you might have mono. Let's test you for that and see if that's the problem here. Well, the test came back that I did not have mono. So he said, well, if you're not better tomorrow, come back in and we will see what is going on. Do some more tests. The next day when I got up, I had these spots all up my legs, across my abdomen, across my back. So I went to the doctor and this time I told him, I said, you know, we, something's not right. Here. <laughs> and you know, at that time, Tylenol was fairly new on the market. And I had been taking aspirin for my fever. And so he recommended that I stop taking the aspirin. He thought maybe that was causing this petechial rash that was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, the next day, and he, he told my mom, he said, she does not have mono. I'm not sure what's going on at this point. But if she's not better tomorrow, which would have been Sunday, I want to see her back in my office. Well, I didn't make it to that point. I ended up in the emergency room earlier because I woke mm -hmm. up and 
my blood vessels were starting to pop in my eyes and I had this terrible, terrible light sensitivity. I, you know, I couldn't open my eyes. I was sitting, you know, and I remember going into the emergency room and my doctor, they called him and I'm sitting there waiting for him. And I hear my mom say, here he comes. And I did one of these kind of looked up and he's running down the hall, pointing at me going, have you had a tick bite? And so I was just very blessed that I had a doctor that recognized it. So what and was that time span? About a week or? Tuesday to Sunday. So oh. what, five days? Yeah. But I had actually been bitten probably a week earlier. So there's about, mm-hmm. you know, it can start anywhere. Usually there's about a seven to 10 day incubation period before you start developing the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I did catch the tick on me. A lot of people don't. And that makes it even harder to diagnose. You know, the tick bites them, they may scratch, and it falls off of them, and they never find the tick. So it it makes it harder to diagnose. So I also want to say that if you have been in an area, like if you've been camping or if you've been in an area where there may have been ticks Mm -hmm. and you start developing these symptoms and they can't pinpoint what is wrong with you, you may want to take that into consideration, that this could be a possibility. And, you know, and now the standard protocol then was tetracycline. Now the standard protocol is doxycycline. You know, it's a fairly benign antibiotic. You know, if you go on it and you don't have this disease, I don't think it's really going to Mm -hmm. hurt you much. I was going to say that, right. Right. But if you do have it and you don't get on the antibiotic right away, you could die. At the very least, Mm -hmm. you could end up with very long-term effects of this. And, you know, and I, I mean, even with the medication, you can still end up with residual repercussions from it, which Mm -hmm. is why I'm here today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the people, whether it's Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain spotted fever, have similar residual effects such as joint pain, muscle aches. Um, Some people have hearing loss. Sometimes I get a little buzzing in my ear that sounds like a bee buzzing in my ear, but I was very fortunate. It, it's just occasionally, I mean, literally maybe every two or three years that happens. Um, I, I have a very, very difficult time adjusting to different light changes. Um, I joke about it and I tell people that I was bitten by a blood-sucking creature and now I can't go out in daylight. But, but really, it's not a joke. I mean, a lot of people really are affected by this. This happened to me when I was so young that I, my life has adjusted to it. But I have friends on this Facebook group that have contracted this later in life and it has turned their entire world upside down. Um, one man who was a um, DEA officer Um, He had to retire because he was just so, as he put it, he was KO'd by a tick. You know, here he chases (laughs) drug addicts, but a tick was what got him. And, you know, and I, I see people on there who were marathon runners and, you know, really had their lives established. And this has greatly affected them. And I just want them to know that there is hope in the scheme of this, Mm -hmm. that I started doing yoga when I was in my 30s. 
And I had gone through years of joint pain and muscle pain and depression and, um, you know, just feeling defeated, just absolutely feeling defeated. And I ended up doing, starting a yoga practice as a result of a friend. Actually, she recommended it for stress for me because I was closing down a business and I was very stressed. But it started taking care of all the joint pains that I had and the muscle aches. And, you know, and that in itself was wonderful. That was, that was a, just such a blessing to be able to have that. But what I really gained that was even bigger was this sense of empowerment, mm. this, this sense of I'm not defeated. My life has just shifted. And, you know, sometimes a shift can be a very big challenge to get through, but it's not always a negative. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if I had not had that tick bite, I would not be here today talking to you about this. I would not be knowledgeable in this. I probably wouldn't even know what it is. And so as a result of that, I've just kind of brought this to myself that there was a bigger purpose here. And so I'm, I'm hoping that possibly, you know, some of these people that are feeling so defeated and so depressed that they might be able to realize that maybe there is a bigger purpose. I mean, they didn't die. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. obviously, there's still something that is there for them in life. And, you know, and I'm not talking about putting your big toe in your ear. I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about this <laughs> Twisted up, contorted, these extreme poses that you see in magazines. I'm talking about a very gentle, mindful, reconnect with your body yoga practice. And, you know, that just about anybody can do, even if they can't stand for any length of time. They can still do this. And that's what I want to be able to to convey. Mm, Wonderful, Kat. Um, I, I mean... So through the yoga has just helped relieve a lot of your physical, physical and mental and emotional, all of it. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, yoga is pretty spectacular, isn't it? It's it just, really is. It really is. And love you know, is the therapy of of what how people transition from it. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, I literally, as my book says, I reinvented myself mm-hmm. with yoga. You know, there were there were some things that I couldn't do as a result of this tick bite that I will probably never be able to do. And some of them are big. One of them is I've never been able to drive because my eyes don't adjust to, to light. So a headlight coming at me just, I mean, I'm blinded for several minutes afterwards. Yeah. Uh, you know, even wearing dark glasses outside, I still struggle with, mm. with light. And, you know, so, but... You know, I had this again. I had this at such a young age and I didn't know how to drive then. So I never, you know, it's like being, you know, blind from birth. You really don't miss what you've never had. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I do. But for the most part, it's really not held me back much. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've just kind of moved forward with that. But for the people who have been doing these things and have had you know, they didn't have these challenges. And then all of a sudden, one day, they have all of these challenges going on. And they can't hear and they can't stand and they can't move. And, you know, they they just 
some people lose limbs. I mean, I was so fortunate that I didn't get gangrene and have to have my hands and feet amputated. I mean, they that was discussed. But, you know, they're all here. And I, you know, like I said, my my skin fell off. It uh, What is it called? Uh, well, anyway, it fell off. It peeled like I had been burned. But underneath it, I had very nice skin. And I get told to this day what wonderful skin I have. So, <laughs> oh, it was, it was like a natural best. shedding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was the best chemical peel that I could have there, had. There you go. There you go. It, no, it was, um, you know, I mean, I really had to just come to terms with the fact that I was different. Mm-hmm. After, you know, that I went into the hospital one person and when I came out, I was somebody different. And, you know, and, and that's okay. Different is not necessarily bad. And that's what I would like people to know with this, that their lives may have changed but that may not necessarily be a bad thing. It's all a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are always going to have challenges. We are always going to, you know, it may be a tick bite or it could be, you know, cancer. It could be numerous things. It, it could be a foreclosure of a home. It could be a lot of things. We can't, we can't change those challenges. What we can change is how we react to those challenges and how we go forth from that point. And that has, is what yoga has taught me, is to just feel what I feel at any given moment. You know, not try to suppress those feelings, not to um, deny them. I denied them for several years. I, I never talked about it. I have friends that I had for 20 years that never knew I was sick, that never knew this happened mm-hmm. to me because I talk about it. I just, it, it just was something that I just... It, it was almost as if if I don't talk about it, it's like it never happened, you know. And, you know, you really can't do that. You you know, you can't just bury things away because eventually it's going to crawl, crawl back up out of that hole and, and you know, come back up and, and say, hey, here I am again. You better deal with me this time. So, so do people have recurrences? I mean, um, is it like once in your system it doesn't go away and you have recurring incidents? Well, you know... They're so, for me, yeah, I mean, I did, I have not had reoccurrences of Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever per se, but I have had reoccurrences of can't move my neck or my joints just ache really badly or, you know, or, you know, some days my eyes work great and some days they don't, you know, and that seems to be kind of the norm with everybody who has been not just with Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, but also Lyme disease that it kind of, you know, um, gets in your system and just kind of hangs with you, the repercussions do. Now, with, with the Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, one of the things that, you know, I want to point out here that there are differences, even though there's so many similarities, but there are differences. With Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, it can strongly affect the heart. It can, it can strongly affect your gastrointestinal system. I am a celiac. I have no idea if that had anything to do with it or not, but, you know, I, I do have celiac disease. Um, you know, so far, I think my heart's okay. I, I feel like I've got a good heart. And, um, you know, so I, you know, I hope that, um, you know, I, it stays that way. I do get concerned about my blood vessels. 
as I'm getting older. I'm 51 now. I'm not 17 anymore. And I do worry about that because of the thinning and the leaking of the blood vessels, you know, is there weak walls, you know, will, will this one day something's just maybe could blow. I do get concerned about that. So I take extra precautions with my vascular system. Um, you know, I make sure and, and eat foods that are going to boost that. Um, lots of blueberries. I, I do eat a somewhat high protein diet to keep my tissues built up. That seems to work for me very well. Um, I did go vegetarian for a year and, um, I didn't feel right. I just, I felt weak and I didn't feel right. So, you know, I don't know if maybe that is something that has to do with it. If, if a high protein diet is something that works very well, but it did for me. Lyme disease, on the other hand, the bacteria will bore into the tissues mm. and it is very debilitating. Lyme disease is very debilitating. It um, is just very, very nonspecific and just a very debilitating disease. And it, it is so important for people to realize this because they get told it's in their head. They, you know, because the test has a 60% error rate, doctors tend to kind of start poo-pooing things off with people. Not all doctors. I shouldn't put it as a whole here. Yeah. But, you know, there are doctors that will do that, that will, you know, just basically, you know, say, well, you might have fibromyalgia or you might have some other nonspecific syndrome. And they just kind of poo-poo it off. And, you know, and really, if you, again, if you have been in an area where there are ticks, or that you could have been bitten by a tick, whether you find it or not, insist upon doxycycline. Get that in your system right away because it could save your life. Mm. And it could certainly save you from being debilitated for the rest of your life. So that, that one I cannot emphasize enough. Mm. So you've been through definitely the gamut and you've done some great research on this. Um, so Kat, through, uh, the yoga and of course, um, uh, it's wonderful that you're on the Facebook and everything. Uh, how are, have you spoken to people about yoga, like within these groups and, and how have. has their reception I been? I have actually, um, I've actually posted some videos on the, uh, on YouTube and I have posted them on the, the Facebook group site of some poses that helped me. Uh, the, the thing that helped me the most throughout this was um, sun salutations. Mm. Some people may not be able to perform sun salutations. I was lucky. But, you know, there really are people out there that have had these diseases that can't stand on their own two feet because their muscles are so weak and it's so painful. So, you know, it's, it's also important to know that you can do just some very gentle stretches from a chair mm -hmm. that will open up those muscles, start flowing your tissues with prana or energy, getting the blood flow into the tissues. You know, that's very nourishing, mm -hmm. you know. Also, cleaning up your diet. If you eat a lot mm -hmm. of processed foods, 
you know, I mean, really, that's just, you're just eating chemicals. So keep your diet as clean as possible. Shop the perimeter of the store. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't go down the aisles where there's, you know, all the processed box dinners and all of that. You know, shop the perimeter of the store, the fresh fruits and vegetables, the lean meats, the fresh eggs, the, you know, dairy, fresh dairy. I'm not a big, I'm not a big milk drinker myself, but, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, try to get as clean as you can. Go organic if you can. Um, You know, some places it's a little harder where I live. In some ways it's harder to get the fresh produce and the organic stuff. In some ways it's better. This time of year we have all the farmers coming in with all their fresh produce, Mm. but it's seasonal. We have very cold winters. It's seasonal. And, you know, and that may be another reason why that we are finding this influx of tick-borne illness in the last few years is because, well, right now we're in a terrible drought and we did not have a very cold winter. So our insect population has just Mm. increased in folds. So that may be part of it. Um, but, but back to the diet, you want to just, you know, make sure that you eat very cleanly and, um, you know, and take care of your body, you know, treat it kindly, eat healing foods due to healing things. Meditation is wonderful for managing pain and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, you sit in meditation for 30 minutes. It could be a five minute meditation every morning it may be just enough to help you manage your pain a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the simplest forms of of um, the of what we do can really help us that much further, right? Um, right. So, and I do. You know, it's it's interesting that you say sun salutations because um, the main point with that that I had learned in my little bit of yoga is, um, you know, the movement of that continuous movement of the spine. Right. Right. So, so I do believe, and I'm, I've been trying to wreck my brain. I I do believe, I do believe, I think Robin Rothenberg has created a chair yoga that has sun salutation. Um, Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Yes. As well. So that's wonderful for people who, who uh, may want to do that, but Kat, it would be lovely if you could show um, our audience some very, very simple poses. Sure, um, sure, absolutely. That they um, might I'll be able do, to implement on a daily basis. Right. Um, I can show you a few things just sitting in a chair. Um, you're not going to be able to see my lower body, unfortunately, because of, of our camera here. But, you know, just just very simple bringing your arms down in line with your your hips, just letting them hang at your side and, you know, and let your arms hang, let your, your fingertips become very heavy, let your joints open. When your joints open, that starts getting that movement through. That's one of the reasons why that I think sun salutations work for me is like you said, the spine movement, the flowing of the spine, but also it puts all of your tendons and ligaments and joints through their full range of motion. And, you know, and that's very opening to the body that, you know, we, we tend to have energy bind up at our dense connective tissues. And when we can stretch those, 
you know, those areas out and start getting that energy flowing back into it. It's, it's very healing. So, you know, just let your arms hang, let your joints open, and then just very gently keeping some resistance in your arms. You're going to inhale, bringing your arms up. And as you exhale, press them back down. Very simple, very slowly. And try to synchronize your movement with your breathing. As you bring those arms up on the inhale, when the movement stops, so should the inhale. As you exhale down, when the movement stops, so should the exhale. And it, Another you had thing a very that, good word that you had expressed in there, which is press your hands down. Press your hands down. Yes, that's right. Is, Keep that it's resistance. A key word. <laughs> right. Because, you know, especially beginners in yoga, they do this. And that's not really going to do what you need. What you want is you want to keep that resistance. You want to really stretch out. You want like somebody is pulling you in two different directions. And then as you exhale, same thing. Like somebody's pulling you open. Just stretch as far as you can. And, you know, yoga is never about range. So if you're stretching and you're really, you know, you're really not stretching your arms out as far as you think, especially in the beginning with with these diseases, you know, your muscles may be bound up a little bit. They may, you know, not want to stretch that much in the beginning. But, you know, consistency is the key. It is it is absolutely the key. It is just every day do these few little exercises. Another one that is very good because it, it starts getting those electrical impulses going in the spine is just a simple twist. Plus, it's very good for the digestive system and the gastrointestinal system. So you're just going to simply bring your left hand to the outside of your right knee. And then as you exhale, you're going to bring your right hand back behind you and just gently look over your right shoulder, keeping your spine as tall as you can as you twist and making sure you're not leaning back into it and giving into it. You're just very tall and very straight. If you get into the pose and you feel like that you can go farther, you want to make sure that you want to inhale and lift. And if you want to twist farther, do it on an exhale. That's very important. It's very important to flow with your breath in these poses and, you know, and, and stay relaxed. Don't stress and don't hold your breath while you're <laughs> holding the poses. You want to keep breathing. When we hold our breath, we are sending a signal to our brain to stress. When we relax, we are sending a signal to our brain saying, ah, this is wonderful. Nothing's going on. We're just stretching and moving. So keep that in mind. And you want to make sure and do both sides. So, you know, you're not going to be out of balance. So when you twist to the right, then you're going to also twist to the left. And you want to hold it for the same amount of time. So if you hold it for two breaths on your right side, you're going to hold it for two breaths on your left side. So those are some important things. Another one is just a simple child's pose that you can do seated in your chair, which is just folding forward from the hip joint, not from the waist, but from the hip joint. And just kind of release your shoulders and just fall forward. I don't know if you can still see me or not, <laughs> but, you know, just kind of stretch your spine long. And, you know, you can even put a pillow on your lap for that. So, you you know, if it's hard for you to fold forward, you know, put a pillow or a bolster or something that you have that support and you can still remain in that relaxed state without putting undue stress on your body. That's really important. 
you know, turning your head from side to side as you inhale and exhale very gently, you know, not leaning forward, but just simply turning your head, keeping the rest of your body straight. Those are all really good things. And since it does strongly affect the joints, I also recommend twisting the fist, wiggling mm. the fingers, same thing with the ankles and feet, pointing the toes, flexing the feet back toward your head, bending your knees, maybe even pulling your knee up to your chest and holding it if you can. That stretches the knee, it stretches the hip joint, you know, it starts opening things up so that prana can get in there. And, you know, be true to yourself, you know, go as far as you can go and don't try to go farther. Just be true to yourself on that because that's when your body responds. If you're forcing and you're pressing and you're going too fast into this, what is going to happen is your body's going to tighten up on you instead of opening up on you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's very, very important. This is never about range. Ever, 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 ever is yoga about range. It is only about form. Um, Kat, isn't that interesting that you say that? Because um, another thing that I'd like to remind people about with this is if you haven't moved for a while, like I hadn't really moved for a while. I've been doing much more meditation than the actual asana of yoga. And um, yet I can feel, you know, Things are getting a little stiff and a little bit, you know, it's like I need to move. I need to move the body. The physical part is calling now. And just uh, uh, earlier this morning, I decided I'm going to, just going to open my back up and open my rib cage up and have these wonderful egg blocks. <laughs> they're called yoga eggs or something like that. And they're <laughs> curved blocks. Yeah. So they tuck into the lower back and everything really nicely. And it kind of takes you into the fish pose yeah. gently. Right. And I tell you, it, it took me 15 minutes to just slowly be able to un- allow my body to unravel to do this pose that I would get into, boom, like this, yeah. like months ago. My yeah. body had to unravel. And believe me, it was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. yeah then, you know, I mean, it may not be comfortable at first, but we correct. call that sensation in yoga. Yes, absolutely. And then <laughs> coming out pain. of it, coming <laughs> out of it, which is like rolling to your side, like, like yeah. a sleeping pose. That just like, ow. I mean, I literally let out a ow because my body was just so not limber because I do, I do have physical issues from childhood and everything. So I deal with a lot of that as well. So for those of you out there who, you know, are dealing with these physical issues, just know that if you, you know, anything that your body may not be familiar with, or suddenly this new form of movement, I think the breath is such a key issue as you're moving through it. And, and the awareness, the awareness that, that to really recognize, oh, this feels uncomfortable. And to recognize that and then just allow your body to sink in and allow it to keep moving as opposed That's to right. these quick movements. Right, right. Which does us no yeah. good, really. It's like the, the wonder of what you said about the arms, feeling that you're pushing against something. So you're always aware of your joints, actually. 
And, and you know, and living in metaphor, which a lot of yoga instructors do. I mean, we, we tend to take metaphors in life and apply them. Yes. But like you said, you know, like you're pushing against something. You know, you are. Mm-hmm. You're trying to, you know, reestablish your, yourself. And, you know, you are pushing against something. You're pushing against what has debilitated you. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very important to listen to your body. It is so important. If, you know, if we can just still ourselves enough to really listen, you know, like you said, you were getting stiff and you were doing, you know, having all these issues happen. If we can just listen to that and our body will tell us what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to open through the chest. Maybe we need to open through the shoulders. It will tell us what we need to do. And we'll end mm-hmm. up, you know, truly when I'm teaching a class, I kind of just watch everybody in class and see where the next movement's going to come from because I can tell, I can go in and have a cl- class completely planned out and that never seems to happen the way it should. <laughs> you know, but if I just kind of flow with the class and what's going on within the class at that moment, because we are ever changing, mm-hmm. you know, who we are 10 minutes from now is not going to be who we are at this moment. So, you know, we need to learn to flow from moment to moment to moment and that nothing is permanent and that, you know, we are constantly changing and evolving and you know, and we have to recognize that, that what what we may not have been able to do before the tick bite or what we may have been able to do before the tick bite, we may not be able to do now. But, you know, a month from now, we're going to be different again. That's right. And if we can take that that and apply it through the yoga practice and make it a more positive change instead of staying where we are and letting this change us more negatively and, you know, and take these positive steps to rebuild ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's when, you know, we really start seeing some true healing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take the medicine and you can, you can, um, go through all the protocols of medicine and, and, and treat the disease, but we're not truly healed until we heal the whole person, which is body, mind, and spirit. You know, like I said, physically, I had a lot of issues, but I also had a lot of issues mentally and emotionally. And my spirits were just shattered. Like I said, I just had this sense of defeat, you know, that my life is just pretty much over. You know, why didn't I die? I mean, my sister-in-law, I'm, I, I smoked for years. Here, you know, I'm mm. talking about how I worried about my heart and my blood vessels. The summer that I had this, I started smoking, wow. and I just uh, and I just started talking to my sister-in-law about this. Um, she was in for my daughter's wedding, and I was telling her about it. And she goes, "Were you trying to kill yourself?" And I looked at her straight in the eye, and I said, "Yes, I was. I didn't not on a conscious level, mm-hmm. but somewhere subconsciously, I know that I was like, why did I live?'" Why, you know, I'm no good now. And that's just not true. You know, I mean, and I know that there are people out there right now at this moment that are struggling with that issue right there of I want to die. I'm in so much pain. I am so depressed. And you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, and I'm hoping this is what I'm hoping to gain from this is for 
if I can just get one person <laughs> to say, I feel so much better because of this, then it's definitely worth what I have been through to get here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then I hope that that one person will continue to try to convey that message to the next person and, you know, and get this little healing train going. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. One drop is a thousand waves. That's what we keep That's saying right. here That's at Yoga right. Hub. Um, Kat, there was a question that came in. Um, It says, I have a friend that has lost a lot of mobility from a tick bite years ago. How do you find a yoga instructor to help her start a yoga practice? Um, She has low energy, uh, very slow, and affects mainly her legs and her hips. You know, be discriminant. Be discriminant about a yoga instructor I, I don't know where this person is. If they're in a city, there's probably going to be numerous ones to choose from. Um, where I am, I'm the only one for 40 miles. So I, know, <laughs> I know that I'm the only one for 40 miles. So I have to wear many yoga hats in the process. But, you know, check credentials. You know, make sure that they are qualified to teach. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about necessarily having a long lineage. I don't have a long lineage in yoga, uh, you know, but make sure that they are well trained. You know, we want to we want to look at this as the same way as the medical profession in a lot of ways. First, do no harm. You know, make sure that the yoga instructor listens to what, you know, is being said that they're not, you know, I am very, very cautious about making any type of adjustments to students because of, you know, any physical, you know, injuries that they may have had. And, you know, I'm I'm very cautious. If I see that they're going to hurt themselves, then I might adjust them. But if they're just simply finding their way in the pose, I want them to find their own way. Mm-hmm. So be careful about an instructor that that is big on adjusting, that they don't adjust too much and do any harm. Um, you know, if, if we can find out where this person is located, maybe we can find a referral for them. Um, you know, if they want to email me or email you, you know, that would be great. But my advice is definitely check credentials, be discriminate, talk to them, ask them questions, ask them if they've ever had any, you know, um, experience with dealing with this type of thing. If they have not and you are, you know, in short supply of yoga teachers, see if they would be willing to work on getting educated along with you and the student to, you know, to deal with this. I would be happy to help in any way that I can, um, you know, but mainly just be cautious, talk to them and, mm-hmm. you know, and and be supportive of of your friend because they really need that support to get through this because I can tell you in the beginning, it's not going to be comfortable. You know, Mm -hmm, when I first mm -hmm. started doing yoga, my knees would hurt in the beginning and, you know, and it was just, you know, not a pleasant experience in the beginning, but I kept doing it and I kept doing it gently. You know, the instructor kept saying gentle, gentle, gentle. Mm -hmm, I kept mm -hmm. doing it gently and after a while, those aches and pains just went away. And now I have great mobility, you know, better than some, less than others, but that's always going to be the case. And, um, you know, so that's the main thing is be supportive, you know, help them through it, keep their, you know, keep their courage up, keep them going. And, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully they start seeing some results. For me, it was very quickly. 
I would say within six weeks of just a little 30-minute yoga practice every day, and I was feeling so much better. And, mm -hmm. you know, but the first the first week, probably the first few sessions, and I and I was pretty faithful to it. I did my 30 minute practice every day. You know, I, I didn't go to class every day, but I did a 30 minute practice every day. And, um, you know, again, consist consistency is the key. You know, keep those joints moving, keep them open. And that's, you know, um, you know, you're not going to get results if you go one time and you feel some discomfort, so you don't go back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and let's let's just differentiate here between discomfort sensation and actual pain. We do not want you to be in pain. We want you to, you know, go through this pretty well stress-free in the mind. Discomfort of muscle stretching, you know, that's in the beginning, that's there usually, you know, mm -hmm. it's not always comfortable. But again, we don't want to run away from all of the discomfort in our life. We can't run away from all of the discomfort in our life, mm -hmm. but we want to make it as, as comfortable as possible. So trying to find comfort in your discomfort <laughs> is really yeah, a big but thing. You know, you, you're, you're such a fantastic example for everyone, uh, Kat, well, where, thank you. Thank you know, you. You, you've proven that, you know, with the focus and with the willpower to say, I'm done with this. I'm, I, I, I might as well die if I cannot shift my exactly. life. Exactly. And exactly. you have shifted your life. And it is those little increments. It's the first step, no matter how long step. it is. It can be a five-minute practice each day. I don't care. It's yeah, it can be any, Yeah, anything. It can be, you know, five minutes. If that's all you can, can tolerate at one time, that is five minutes more than you were doing the day before. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. you know... That's, you know, that's a very good point, whatever. And, you know, and don't ever, 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 ever let an instructor tell you that you need to go farther on a pose. That is simply not true. Yeah. You know, you are where you are when you're there. And if you can only, you know, bring your arm up this high, that's as high as you can bring your arm up. And, you know, and, you know, keep that in mind that mm -hmm. this is never about range. Well, the body Make will... Your practice Absolutely. The body will slowly unfold. We had a wonderful chiropractor the other day, Richard Fox, last week that spoke on our, our magical medical tour. And he's a chiropractor and he works with athletes um, all around the world. And and it was so wonderful to hear him say, trust the body, listen to That's your right. body, allow it, allow, allow. it. But, you know, everything is like an elastic, right? I mean, you just have to allow it that time to Learn that stretch. Learn that position again. That's right. It's okay. <laughs> you know. And to feel what you feel. Yes. You know, that is one of the things that I really try to project in my classes is when you're in a pose, notice what the sensations are that you're feeling. Notice what the emotions are that you're feeling. You know, pay attention to those things because, you know, we're so, you know, it is a trifle path here. You know, we... We are not just our body. We are, you know, this whole being. And, you know, so, so many emotions get locked up in our joints, mm -hmm. especially, you know, if we have something like this going on, our emotions get locked up in it. So we have this, you know, we have the effects of the, the disease 
And then we have the effects of the emotions, the toxic emotions, and maybe a negative dialogue that we've had with ourselves. All of this gets locked into our muscles. So when that comes out, when all of that stuff comes out, I know I did, and I know many people who have had a profound emotional effect from this. I've had students start crying in class for absolutely, well, what they perceive as no reason. But there is a reason. They don't know necessarily what that is, but something has unlocked. Something has came to the surface and unlocked. And every time that this happens with me, and it's happened a few times, as I deepen my practice, sometimes we get into deeper muscles and we get into deeper emotions, and then we have this effect to happen again. But every time it has happened, I have came out on the other side of the tunnel, a little stronger maybe physically, or a little more flexible, maybe mentally and physically. Or a little bit more enlightened, you know, a little bit more mental clarity. So, you know, sometimes you go through those dark points, but if you can just get to the other side of that dark point, you find this whole new freedom. And it really is a necessary process. Because I know with me, I did not deal with those emotions when I was sick. I never dealt with it. I was 17 years old. I was in complete isolation for 23 days with no human contact at all. That does not, you don't have that happen without affecting you, especially a child. And children need that. And I was a child. I was 17. And I thought I was grown. I thought I was big stuff. But I was a child. <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, and everybody, we are, we are, um, you know, creatures that need people around. We are very social creatures. And so when you go for a period of time like that with no contact physically, I mean, it was through panes of glass, you know, that I talked to people. It it really affected me. And I was young and I couldn't identify that. But when I started doing yoga, those emotions came out. Mm. Those, you know, that part of it came out. And we're talking 20 some odd years later, you know, and and they were still there. And they were, that may have been more of what was causing my pain than the actual disease was everything was so bound up in me. Everything was so locked up. So, you know, I, I just, I would like to see everybody who has this type of issue, um, whether it's Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain spotted fever, you know, be able to come into their own truth. And and release out those issues, those emotions, those, you know, you may always have some pain. You may always have um, some emotional distress from time to time. We're going to have that. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's from a disease or it's just life in general, it's what we do with it. It's how we react to it and it's what we do with it. So, you know, I always find it comforting to me when I have those bouts come in my life to put on some soft music, to maybe light some incense or a candle, turn the lights down, get on my yoga mat and just take some me time. Mm. And, you know, and of course, as I said to, um, you know, if you're not getting the answers that you want from your doctor, Please get another opinion and another opinion and another opinion if you need to. Um, Your life could depend on that. And until we know more about these diseases, I fear that we are going to have these issues with, you know, with, um, you know, doctors that just aren't, they aren't 
in tune with it. That, you know, this is something. And give the doctors a break on this a little bit, too, because let's keep this in perspective. This has all just came about in the last, you know, 20 years or so. Lyme disease, what, was in 1987, you know, that it was really discovered and recognized as an actual disease. So in the scheme of things, we're still in the the growing up stages mm-hmm. of this. So, you know, we have to give the doctors a break on that, too, that they are human. And we just really don't know that much about it at, at this time. But we're learning. Mm-hmm. And the Rocky Mountain Labs in, you know, um, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, um, which is in the Rocky Mountain Labs, they are, you know, doing tremendous research and work on this and have for many, many years, and they're making great strides. And with that, they are getting better able to educate the medical profession on this and the lasting effects. And, you know, and I think it's also important for society to be educated on this. So, you know, I don't, I, I, I just really get very upset when I read a post on this Facebook survivors group and they say, my family doesn't believe me or my husband thinks that I'm just a hypochondriac or I don't know, maybe I'm just lazy. You know, I had that dialogue for years. You know, that I just thought this is all in my head. You know, I would have doctors tell me, oh, this is Rocky Mountain spotted fever doesn't have any lasting effects. The doctor that actually treated me, not the one that diagnosed me initially, but the one that actually treated me has since died. So, you know, I didn't have that connection with the doctor anymore that understood And, you know, throughout the years, I remember going in when I was pregnant with my kids and I would tell, you know, my OBGYN, I had Rocky Mountain spotted fever when I was 17. Do I have anything to worry about? And they would say, oh, no. Well, now there's questions on that. There Hmm. are questions about whether or not this can be passed on. My kids have never been tested to see if they have anything. You know, I I don't know. They've never had any symptoms of of any results of this. But, you know, I mean, there, there are, are questions about that. And, you know, so, um, you know, really getting people to listen to you, getting yourself to believe yourself is first and foremost, you know, don't live in that denial. Don't just don't do it because it's not going to be good for you. If your joints are hurting, if your muscles are aching, you know it. You know how you feel. You know how you feel better than anybody else. So don't let anybody else tell you how you are feeling. That's, they don't know. And, you know, and if you don't have the support system within the group that you have now, find that support system. Find the the Facebook group, Survivors Mm -hmm. of Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever and Lyme Disease. Find people who understand because there's a bunch of us and we do understand. So what we'll do, uh, Kat, is we will actually, uh, at the end of this video, we will post the Facebook group that you're part of. Is that okay to do that? That was that would be wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much. And also, um, I do know that you were saying that for any more information about Lyme disease, is people should actually go directly to the cdc.gov website <clears throat> to look in a little bit further, right? Right. Absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely. We will do that. 
Now, what is the best way for people to contact you, Kat? Um, you know, if they have any questions. Uh, or... um, you can contact me here on Yoga Hub. Um, they, my, my handle on Yoga Hub is Active Cat. So, so just to let you all know that uh, if you type in myyogahub.com forward slash Active Cat, Active A C T I V E, Cat, K A T. Okay, active yeah. cat. So yeah. um, that would be a great way, and you could personally message her through that, and or you know just be in touch with her directly. That's great. Um, and so, cat, we would love to continue following up with you on this subject, and and I know sure. you you know it would be really wonderful if you since you're doing these videos of poses and um, you know just maybe a, a short. 15 minutes so it's not too overwhelming sure. for anyone that would be wonderful sure i would be happy to everything. i would be happy to in fact i've been promising on the the group that i would get a video posted in chairs and i just haven't been able to get to it yet but i think that it's time and you know i would be happy to and you know i i want to share this information because i know how much it's helped me mm-hmm. and um you know it, it it this is just really Yoga is just really a good exercise for those of you who feel like that you no longer can exercise. Yes, yes, absolutely. And also for those of you who are dealing with, you know, excessive pain, um, Neil Pearson, who's also one of our other faculty members, he has uh, uh, the videos and DVDs, you know, overcoming pain with gentle yoga. So, um, you know, he, there is a level one uh, DVD that's available as well as I, I do believe that he will be working on his level two this year as well. But I've heard wonderful, wonderful feedback on those just to let the audience know. He has some very good blogs, too, on managing yeah. pain. Very he does. Good blogs, he does. So, well, he, yes. that's, his, that's his focus. He is a physical therapist. He is a yoga therapist. So he's able to integrate the two. But his his focus is really helping people through pain and overcoming pain and so that they're able to live. Uh, I don't want to say normal because normal is like a setting in a hairdryer, just helping right. them to live a more balanced life, basically. Right. So, you know, I always say, you know, as as much as we can bring in, as much as we can, each of us can offer, you know, it, it's all connection, right? It's all connection. Right. And what speaks to one person may not speak to another person as well. So right. go out and there knowledge and is it. power. Yes. Knowledge is power. The more that you know about your disease, the more options that you can find to manage your disease, the more likely you are to find your personal modality to manage this. So, you know, make yourself knowledgeable, read as much as you can about your disease, you know, truly find out more about it than your doctor knows. You know, you, I, I'm a firm believer that when somebody has an illness of any kind, they need to be so aware of it and they need to know exactly what this is going to do to their body or could do to their body or has done to their body so they can take steps to correct those, Mm. you know, abnormalities that may have occurred from it, you know, such as diet and exercise and pain management and, you know, get to know what's available out there for you because there's, there's several things that you know, can help you along this path of, of healing and reconnecting with yourself. Mm, mm, wonderful. 
Well, thank you so much, Kat Robinson. Thank you. For sharing with us all. Yes. It was great to have you on our show. It's always fun to be here with you guys. It's always fun. And um, thank you so much. Well, this thank is you just so the much beginning. for having me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Just the beginning. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the show. I know you're going to be coming back. So. You know, I hope to. Yes, of course. Yeah, you're you're sort of diving further and further into the Yoga Hub family. So, <laughs> and I love being part of the Yoga Hub family. Thank so. you so much. Thank you for honoring us, and I'd like to thank everyone for joining us here today. And please be in touch with us or Cat Robinson directly uh, if you're dealing with anything, you know, with the uh, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever or the Lyme disease, and she could no doubt guide you and help you through. Okay. Take care, everyone. I'll see you next week um, here on yogahub.com. Um, and uh, next week, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Take care. Namaste. Namaste.